Hey folks, welcome to the Uncommon Lectionary Podcast, a podcast for youth and young adult ministry within the church. This is your host, John Bauman. Okay, we're live. Live. <laughs> live from Q-Town. Live from Q-Town, First UCC. First UCC. Check these acoustics out. We have a mic just because we have to be recorded. We don't need a mic otherwise. This place is sweet. Although in your cars this probably sounds horrible, so just turn down your bass there. Please. Please. I'm going to speak as low as I can. I'm sorry. (laughs) All right, so welcome to the Uncommon Lectionary Podcast. This is your host, John Bauman. I'm joined with my friend, Jeremiah Link, who's also my uh, uh, seminary peer, fellow UCC guy. Yes. yes, UCC, Team UCC, all the way. That's right. We uh, caused some trouble at seminary, but you know yeah. how it is. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> it's worth it. It's worth it. It's fun to watch. Yep. Jeremiah, my audience already knows pretty much about me that you know I'm a youth pastor here at First UCC, mm-hmm. that um, I'm over youth and young adult ministries. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. And talk a little bit about like... Um, Called a ministry, um, some things that stuck out to you. Yeah, I'm a I'm a math teacher in Northeast Philly and uh, teach seventh grade math. It's my eleventh year teaching, and my call to ministry came a few years ago when I I thought I was done with teaching, uh, but to do that, a lot of churches need uh, you to have a degree. So what? I'm, right? What? Uh, I thought I knew everything. Then I went to seminary and realized <laughs> I know nothing. Absolutely about this. nothing. Seriously. Yeah. It's absurd. Um, so I would have told you, you know, almost three years ago now that I want to be a pastor. Um, I think that's still true. I do think that's my calling. I don't know if it's my calling in a traditional sense anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's what I wonder. Yeah. I mean, I think that you have like a lot of gifts, a lot of abilities, a lot of passions. And you really got to be at a church that is there with you. you yeah. Know? yeah. And a lot of the churches who want you to do the same thing that they've been doing for so many years are going to be apprehensive of that. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's a struggle is every church is different. Every pastor is different. And yet churches tend to function um, like how a pastor 50, 80, 100 years ago led them to function. Right. And that's... A problem, I think. Yeah, I think probably one of the biggest things that I've gathered at, at seminary is just this idea that, like, growth is okay and allowed. Mm-hmm. And there's certain ways in the church that we've tried to grow. Yeah. Um, mostly politically. <laughs> but there's certain ways in the church where we haven't. Yeah. And that would be in just even, like, common practice and how mm. the scripture you know, can the, the meaning of it based on our context yeah. can change slightly. I mean, that's right. okay. Right. We're not going crazy with that. I just think there's not enough of that leeway. Yeah. Or even maybe it, maybe it's better said that the traditions that we've had for forever yeah. feels like those can't change at all. Right. <laughs> and, and and even in the UCC, I mean, the UCC is a uh, – Fairly progressive denomination. Right. Uh, each UCC church is different. Mine, I would consider uh, moderate on the scale um, with UCC churches. Um, 
But still, you know, there's traditions that, you know, churches don't want to buck against. Mm-hmm. And traditions, I value a lot of traditions. I value the traditions that have lasted for thousands of years. And it's one of the reasons why I love, you know, high church services with the call to confession and everything like that. But, mm-hmm. like, certain things that you just aren't allowed to do at the church, you know. Right. And then in uh, in uh, evangelical context, uh, Jeremiah and I went to... A, are going to a seminary that would be broadly considered evangelical. Um, in evangelical context at, at a church, um, a lot are very apprehensive of that leeway with Scripture or a different way of viewing the Scripture that they've always been taught. Right. And I think the value of seminary, like you mentioned, is being exposed to all these different ideas, taking and leaving you know, all these different ideas. But like, you know genuinely trying to learn from them genuinely try to learn from the differences of your classmates Mm -hmm. you know and that's yeah and not just you know religiously but culturally too i mean missio is extremely diverse it's incredibly diverse interestingly and is incredibly supportive right of a missional mindset and this diversity yeah however what is interesting is in class at times we don't have a diverse appreciation for scriptural interpretation. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yep. And, and that's yep. where yep. it's like, oh, wow, why Why do we cut that off? Right. Why does that have to be so binary? Um, why can't that follow the similar mold of mm-hmm. missional might mean that, you know, this culture and in this context um, is going to read some of those things differently. Right. I'm not talking key foundational things, but I am talking preferential things. Right. Or even even convictions. I mean, it, words that they've thrown out at seminary. But it's just the idea, like, yeah. I don't know. For me, it's more of a spectrum, yep. I'm realizing, yep. than it is this kind of uh, dualistic or duopoly type thing. Yeah. Um, which is also why I hate politics. We can cut that out <laughs> if we need to. No, we're um, not going to cut that out. We're not, because... And that's, that's what really frustrates real me. Real life. It is so real life. Why do I have to be either one of them? I, that's absurd. Yep. And that's what, okay, there we go. We've arrived at what probably I most love about um, biblical slash missio, because it's been both for us, is this idea that, like, I don't have to be either. I can be yeah. on the spectrum somewhere. Yeah. But still, I mean, there's still a lot of people who, you know, have these ideas, have these thoughts. They might, but, like... um they're in context where they're not in the majority. Right. And so, like, you, you need people who are willing to speak up in those contexts to talk about, you know, the things that are on their minds, the questions that are on their minds. Right. Which uh, is one of the reasons why this class was... It was a shame that not more people took it. I'll say it outright. Because it allows... I felt like it allowed us to see that the Psalms are very much that... Yeah. It's just this acknowledgement of feelings. Yeah. Whereas it's not this historical text anymore in the same way that other parts of scripture are. It's um in some cases it's wisdom, but yeah. not always. It really is. You're just kind of hearing the heart of, of the person writing the psalm. Yeah. The psalmist. And it just it's to me uh something that is a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Because I'm finally in scripture hearing what I wish I would hear more from our peers mm. and hear more in the church, right? Yeah. And, it, and, and that's what this class, I feel like, 
opens up. Yeah. Is it, it's an encouragement to like spend some time in the Psalms because they're probably the most authentic and real parts of scripture. Yeah. That that you can encounter right. in certain ways. Right. And that's why and that's why we're here today is we're here doing our final project, our professor who's awesome. Um, he's a boss. He is he's a boss. <laughs> I wonder if he'll email us and say, you called me a boss. You thought I wouldn't hear it, did you? (laughs) Um, So what's awesome about him (coughs) is that he's allowing us to do a podcast for our final project. And we could write, you know, a 10, 12 pager, but we figured, why not have a conversation with a mic in the room? Absolutely. (laughs) I do love to talk. I've always thought of myself as an internal processor, um, and that's definitely true. The worst conversation you've ever had with me is one where I'm thinking out loud. But um, apparently I, I love to talk more than I realize. So like once I've thought about <laughs> things in my head, then they yeah. come spewing out um, a lot. So That happens. It, it, it happens. <laughs> but anyway, so we're doing this final project, and, you know, to go over this podcast, how we're going to format it, all that stuff, is we're just going to, um, the project is focus on a psalm, go through it, talk about some elements of the psalm, how it applies, all that stuff. So we're going to do that. And we're also, um, interestingly enough, um, we're also following the lectionary still for the purpose of this podcast and for ministers all across the globe who are following the lectionary. Psalm 32 is what will be read in churches, hopefully, um, across the globe. And I think that's kind of cool. It's that connection. Right. And the lectionary, if you're not familiar, is a um, intentional putting together of texts in a um, three-year cycle. And it focuses on the church calendar year, church seasons. Yeah. And right now we are in the season of Lent, which is all about preparing ourselves uh, for the cross, humbling ourselves, repenting, um, giving up things, fasting, and this psalm is extremely well for that. I messed that sentence up. This psalm, <laughs> this psalm is excellent for that. Right. You know, for kind of bridging that gap. I think yeah. you know what's what's really cool is one of the things that was talked about a lot in this class is the idea that the construction of psalms. Mm. is really one that, you know, it's five books that are really telling a story. And certain psalms are kind of placed strategically right. or seemingly placed strategically to, to kind of tell this story. Um, so in thinking about the lectionary, yeah, it's, you know, some people say, ah, oh, we need to throw that out. But I think you can find a lot of life from seeing how people are connecting the pieces across all of Scripture. Yeah. Uh, in the same and the history sort of in doing so. Yeah. You know, I mean, as we said before, like some traditions are worth keeping, some are worth revising. But, you know, if you don't try to see the value in something before trashing it, like that's not doing honor to those who found value in it. Right. You know, you have to understand why. And I agree. So um, let's talk a little bit about this Psalms divided in the books and all that stuff, because we hear the book of Psalms, not the books of Psalms, mm-hmm. you know, right. and yet in our Bibles, we see book one, book two, book three, book four, book five. And we wonder what that means. Are you looking for your little cheat sheet? Yep. It's right cheat there, sheet. bud. Yeah. Right Classic there, bud. Classic me. It's all right. This uh, project is open note, so you're all right. 
Praise for that. Praise for that. This book is kind of telling the story, actually, of Israel. So not unlike we would we would see earlier in Scripture in the Old Testament. Psalms mm-hmm. is kind of telling the story of the idea that God is king. Book one. In book one. Book two, you know, the king's people suffer. Mm. Book three, we see that God delivers. Mm. And then in book four, um, we see that God comes. And in book five, and he brings the nation into glory. So this is kind of redemption um, and, and bringing back to glory. Right. Um, book three, kind of finding this, this place in the exile of, of Israel and kind of that bringing back into the glory that they... Mm had experienced earlier on. So it really, once again, very similar to Moses recounting and reminding Israel constantly of Egypt mm. and all that stuff, which would have been yeah. a very, very Israel way of thinking. Yep. Uh, it's, you know, hey, remember. It's observed every year, Passover. Right. You know. Right. And that's... Yeah. Uh, sidebar? Sidebar. Um, I got invited to a Passover Seder meal of one of my Whoa. high school friends, his family, like they do it obviously every year. Yeah. And he's just like, do you want to come? And I'm like, yes. Absolutely. Because I've been kind of like asking about it, like kind of hinting at it every year. Uh-huh. And he just like straight up messaged me this year. And he's just like, so would you like to come to my family's Passover Seder? And I was mm-hmm. like, yes. Dude, that's incredible. I'm was probably it like super traditional I mean, I hope so. Right? Like, it was yeah. the intent was... To, yeah. That's yeah, awesome. I mean, I, I hope so. I'm going to eat all the lamb and mint jelly. Yes. You know? I don't even know if mint jelly is a part of Passover, but, you know, I'm going to eat all the lamb. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, you know, we're UCC. It can be. <laughs> it can be. It can be. <laughs> mint jelly is permissible. <laughs> mint my, jelly. My dad, <laughs> speaking of uh, Seder meals, <laughs> my dad, at his church, did a Seder meal where, instead of having lamb... He um, he had fried chicken because he's a pastor in the south. Um, I don't know if I'm if I go quite that far. At least it wasn't pork. <laughs> At least it wasn't pork. I mean, he didn't do that. I think he did actually say to me he was considering that, and I was like, Dad, no, you can't no, do you that. can't. You like, can't. What, what are you even doing, you Dad? I, whatever, um, Father, Father, <laughs> why? <laughs> it's like the Psalms, why? Father, why? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. So getting back to um, the class and talking about Psalms instead of just ranting about Passover Seder and how we're um, excited about it <laughs> and um, hopefully not using fried chicken um, oh, for man. the one that I'm going to. Not a boss um, move. Big not fan of lamb. Um, but anyway, so getting back to the class, um, there's a lot of things that we valued about the class. Um, Jeremiah I, and I have just had many parking lot conversations about the class and, uh, and it's all been positive. Parking lot yeah. conversations have a tendency to be negative, but... Mm. Um, a lot of lamenting. <laughs> a lot of actually lamenting maybe, actually, in the Psalms. Might be more complaining as yes. we're Yeah, here. actually so, more uh, complaining. Yeah. yeah, more complaining, yes. but yes. Uh, we'll call it lamenting. Yes, mm-hmm. but um, we enjoyed this class, um, how it was taught, um, and all the things that we've learned. Um, so one of, the, one of the things that Missio tries to do is um, their whole program is structured to be practical, to the, a person pursuing ministry. Their whole program is not to, you know, not to make just like the next world-class theologian, but like make a good pastor. Like right. make a pastor that will serve their local church well. And um, 
I think that this class really contributed that to that because it's talk it the psalms are so relatable they are so relatable and we all know that psalms are quoted by so many people they're on mm-hmm. journals they're on you know all this stuff tim tebow may have had a psalm on his on his under his eyes i don't yeah. know oh yeah i'm sure he had it at some point probably yeah probably yeah. but um so relatable so like one of the things that we're asked to do um, for Missio for this class is thinking about how this relates to our local ministry context. So the first thing that we're going to talk about is um, how how our professor introduced the Psalms and poetry in general. So um, Jeremiah, you had some good words about like how he introduced like with modern poetry and stuff. Yeah, I, I think you know thinking about how does this how is this something that we approach with the people in our faith community, right? How do we reach out to them and uh, create a connection to the Psalms? Because hmm. the, the thing about the Psalms is that they're relatable, but they're also generic. And so, like, in, the, in one sense, that's really good because it, hmm. can, it feels like it can apply to everyone. Okay. Um, so that's, that's nice in that sense. But sometimes it can also feel like, because it's so generic that it doesn't have a specific connection with me. Yeah. And something that can really speak to that or that can help with that is what we did in class. One of the things we did in class was um, we talked about contemporary poetry, poetry that we loved, right, our favorite poem. Yep. And just spent some time talking about why that was so. Like what is it about these poems that really um, struck us or really meant something to us? Jeremiah chose his own poem. Yeah, which totally, when I look back, I'm like, Kind of, kind of strange move. Let's be honest. He was like, I mean, I know this one, so here right, you go. Right. I no, know. but it was actually valuable because we got to hear from the author about the poem, yeah, what it meant to you, and um, that's that was a really cool thing. Yeah, and that, that was that was actually really neat to be able to talk about mm-hmm. like the creative process behind it because we'll never be able to do that with songs. Yep. And so that is, I think it's beneficial because. By doing that in your faith community, you're going to create an in that I think more people are willing to kind of walk through, especially because you don't have to pick something spiritual necessarily. Yeah. But you can see the, the impact that the author has mm-hmm. and how you have placed a meaning on this that the author didn't have, mm-hmm. right? Because, yeah. because in your context, that's where you're reading it. Right. And so we see that the Psalms have so much depth to them. Um, or that rather that the poetry does, and therefore the Psalms could have a similar depth. And it might be that we don't get so hung up on what it meant only in that context, um, but that we can also consider what it means to us. The mm. same way we would experience any art. Yep. Um, you know, it really impacts us. Art is beautiful on multiple levels because... Right. You know, you look at something, you read something, you hear something, and it means a certain thing to you. And then you find out possibly what it actually means to the, to, to the author or the ideas that the author is trying to communicate. But then you talk to other people around you who are listening to the same thing, viewing the same thing, reading the same thing, and they have a different interpretation. And that's the beauty with all good art yeah. is that it has all these different perspective points. And that's why it's so dangerous with the Psalms or um, a lot of texts, um, but particularly poetry, um, where somebody could say, this is exactly what this is about. 
Right. To be so rigid with it. Yeah. Because poetry doesn't, it's not necessarily meant to work in that way, right? right. You're using a tool in the wrong, in the wrong sense. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of the fear. So to me, doing what we did in class would be a great way to engage the faith community. I think also we talked about the idea that um, it, would, it would be so cool for our peers to take this class because what we've seen is that we're sitting there reading a psalm, talking about its meaning and context as much as we can and talking yeah. about just the form and all that stuff. And I am hearing words that I feel like I've either heard Jesus say, mm, mm. or I've, I've, I know is, I know in my heart of hearts, at least right now, it just feels like He meant this. Yeah, it feels like He was referencing right. it. You know, and right. I think it'd be it'd be really cool to to take a look at the New Testament and see and wonder, was He talking about a psalm there? Mm. Yeah, and Jeremiah and I were preparing for this podcast, and I'm not going to tell you which psalm it was because, well, I don't really feel like looking it up, but in class we were going over a psalm, and um, it was talking about the waters, you know, raging, and um, it talked about how God, you know, whispered and the waters were calmed, and that just instantly made both of us think about, you know, Jesus calming the storm. And obviously that psalm, you know, was not written from the author's perspective um, to be about Jesus, you know. But it has a whole different meaning when, you know, the Gospels tend to mirror some of those um, things expressed in the Psalms. Right. And it just, there is a connection. Yeah. Because now I've read this story here. And if I acknowledge that Jesus might be doing that kind of thing, might be referencing psalms, mm. you know, when he's singing hymns with his disciples uh, yeah. at the, you know, the Last Supper, um, that the hymns he might be singing were psalms, yeah. then it makes me wonder, when he's calming the storm like that, is it more than just displaying his power over nature? Is it a call to remember the same way that Israel would have operated, right? Mm. Israel just walked through life. Um, I heard uh, Dr. Parker, I think, say Israel walked through life backwards, looking at the past, right? Not yeah, at the yeah, future, yeah, yeah, like yeah. most most of us in Western culture would, but they would be looking at the past and remembering. Mm. Say, Israel, remember. Mm. Is Jesus, by calming the storm, doing something like that? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, you know, I don't want to say for sure. Because then you'll be like those guys. <clears throat> Right. Gals. Because I'll, it has to be that. And it's like, I don't know that it has to be, but I do know... That it meant a lot to you. It meant a lot. And it seems like a really strong connection. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it could be. And it's worth yeah. exploring for that reason. So all of these reasons um, about seeing these connections with Jesus and just learning so much about psalms and poetry and how it all connects, that means so much to my you know, local church ministry, because the Psalms have always been an inspirational, but they're inspirational besides the happy-go-lucky Psalms. It's also, you know, the Psalms of lament, the Psalms of like deep despair, and how we all go through deep dis- times of deep despair in our lives. Um, and it's nice to have something in our text that we can relate to, because when we go through some deep, dark, despairing times, um, it's annoying to have positive things quoted to us, right? Oh, yeah. Like, it's so annoying. It's just like, um, are you, you, you're invalidating my experience, first of all. 
and you're giving me scripture passages that make it seem like if I just put my hope in God, things will get better. Which the converse of that is, since things are bad, I didn't put my hope in God. Which, as we know through the scriptures, and studying the Psalms specifically, and we have like a, the, we have like a chart that Professor Kelly did on this too, like wisdom is meant to like kind of combat that idea mm-hmm. with wisdom literature and say no like sometimes bad <laughs> things happen to good people and sometimes good things happen to bad people like that's life right you know and it's the realism in that is oddly comforting because then you're comforted by people who understand that life happens and you're comforted by a bible who un- that understands that life happens right you know, in the ancient Near East, they would have thought, you know, good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people. It was a mm. very, you know, very logical way of thinking. Yeah. And what's interesting is that it really hasn't changed in our culture. And here's how we know. It's because yeah. most people's problem with God is that they yeah. can't understand why bad things happen to good people and why good things happen to bad people. Yeah. See, they still have this underlying understanding. Yeah. Very similar to back then. Yeah. The beauty of the scripture, especially wisdom literature within the scripture, and even as we saw in the parallels, mm-hmm. wisdom literature outside of the scripture. Talk about the parallels quick for context here. Yeah. So um, we read through this book that just has different. Um, for scripture from different people or different uh, cultures and tribes in the ancient Near East. Yeah, and I'll link these in the in the description. But it's called Old Testament Parallels: Laws and Stories from the Ancient Near East by Victor H. Matthews and Don C. Benjamin. Right, and so it, I mean, it, so it's not just limited to the Bible, but there are other scriptures that are you know from other sources talking about. Um, this idea of kind of like that cutting against that, right? Hmm. Speaking to the fact that this is happening when logically it shouldn't be. Yeah. But not saying, therefore, God must be whatever. You know, God must not be there. But it still acknowledges that. But it does acknowledge it the acknowledges feeling. acknowledges that, that emotion. It acknowledges the feeling. And so in thinking about in our faith communities, how can the Psalms speak missionally Mm. I think we can acknowledge the doubt and we can acknowledge the fear and we can acknowledge the frustration so many churches will just kind of say ah well you know he's sovereign yes he is but I don't feel that way right now and I just need you to acknowledge it yep yeah I mean yeah and speaking on that I mean me going through something very recently was I got a couple responses to it and the one was, well, God knew this was going to happen to you um, even before, you know, all, all this stuff was even a thought in your mind. And this was spoken to someone trying to be comforting. Mm-hmm. And that just made me like be like, well, that sucks. You know, like that's not something comforting. No. You know, it may be true, but it's not something comforting. And the flip side of that was um, somebody saying, well, God can't change things because God's love is not manipulative. So God cannot change situations. So what I see in the Psalms is an acknowledgement of suffering, an acknowledgement of pain. Mm -hmm. And also like 
and like I'm reading it and I'm seeing the suffering of, of the psalmist writers. I'm seeing this and I'm seeing their suffering and I can identify with that. But not only that, but there's times where they cry out to God and they're frustrated and they, you know, uh, basically curse at God, you know, mm-hmm. uh, mock God. And I identify in that. And then there's times where they're pleading, um, I'll put my trust in you because I know that I will again praise your name. Right. Where you're at a place where you're not quite ready for that, but you want to be. And then there's Psalms where there's complete and utter restoration and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. And if we look at the Psalms in the context of it being this story of Israel's narrative, um, that story is comforting in itself. So to understand that Psalms as a poetic um, collection of books, um, collection of poetry that tells that story enables us to emotionally connect to that story all the more. Right. Um, which I think is really awesome. Yeah. Um, but so we read that book. We also read Introduction to the Psalms. I need to see the uh, yeah. Introduction to the Psalms by Nancy L. DeClasse Walford. And she talks a lot about um, the. Uh, narrative of the book of Psalms, which I think is really important. I'll link that as well. And also, of course, the IV, uh, IVP um, Dictionary on Wisdom Literature, which I'll link. It's ginormous. It's also really expensive. Kindle version is a lot cheaper, but I hate the formatting of it, so spring for the book if you want it. Yeah, it is. it was nice to sit down and like yeah. really dive into that. Yeah, feel the weight on uh, of it on your lap. Um, yeah. But <laughs> so why don't we... Why don't we start focusing in on Psalm 32? Yep. Right. So I think we've got big picture. Mm-hmm. Let's let's jump in and let's talk about Psalm 32 specifically. Yep. So this is uh, you know we talked about the lectionary and it's a part of the lectionary. Mm-hmm. Um, it is interesting to kind of see the other scripture that they've put together with that. Yeah. Um, which we'll get to later. Which we'll get to later. But Psalm 32 is uh, considered a wisdom psalm. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least by the uh, Classy Walford. The Classy Walford, and um, I, we, I would say that we kind of agreed with her that that was a mm-hmm. pretty good classification. Yeah, we also kind of felt that when we were reading it, maybe that there was like a it also could it be like a Thanksgiving psalm. Yeah. So to give context, like the we learned that the psalms can be broken up into genres in and of itself. So we know that psalms are poetry, but there's also genres within poetry. Um, and, you know, there's the, this whole big list of what they are. So we think that uh, DeClasse Walford thought it was a wisdom song. We think that it can either be a Thanksgiving psalm or a wisdom psalm. Right. And we definitely see where wisdom comes from. So yeah. By, yeah, yeah, by, yeah, yeah. by no means are we sitting here trying to be like, no, you're wrong. But we'll um, go with the person with the doctorate degree. Yeah. So. I mean, it's definitely worth it. <laughs> trusting that. Um, but there were certain aspects that we talked about. Yeah. Um, specifically things we'll get to in verses later. So why don't we read it Yeah. so that the people listening have an idea of um, what we're talking about, and then we'll kind of walk through a little bit and talk about some of the stuff that we see here. Yeah. Sound good? Do you want to do 1 through 5, and then I'll do 6 through 11? Yeah, absolutely. Popcorn stuff, go. Love it. (laughs) What version are you reading from? Um, NRSV. All right, me too. Go ahead. Good. Happy are those whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Happy are those to whom the Lord imputes no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. While I kept silence, my body wasted away 
through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. And then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not hide my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Think about that. Therefore, let all who are faithful offer prayer to you. At a time of distress, the rush of mighty waters shall not reach them. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with glad cries of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be like a horse or a mule without understanding, whose temper must be curbed with a bit and brittle, else it will not stay near you. Many are the torments of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds those who trust in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Mm. So we were reading that, that, and Jeremiah said, think about this, and I almost started laughing. Because, so if you um, have this text in front of you, or you're going to look it up later, as good podcast listeners should, um, yes. there's going to be um, in your text this little, like, like subtext saying, Selah, Salah, whatever it is. And, <laughs> and it's meant to be like a pause. Right. It's meant to be a pause of reflection. And our professor... Um, just uh, interprets it and says it in his own ways and saying, think about that. Right. And, and he says it just that way. Think about that. And I tried to, I tried to mimic that. Um, <laughs> I just started almost cracking up and he did it just that. Because I wanted you to at least right. say I skipped, it one, I skipped it one time. <laughs> yeah. I skipped it one time, but, then I, but I got to it. So, but no, I mean, I, I had mentioned this to you earlier. Like I felt like speaking to that, mm. it is a really compelling way to consider what that is yeah if we just call it a pause the way our lives work how many of us are going to pause and it's not going to be a meaningful pause right it's just going to be a couple seconds of mindless silence so i like i like actually saying think about that yeah or even having i mean having something like that there to actually it's a command yeah or it's a suggestion the New Living Translation actually calls it an interlude, which I think is interesting. But it, it is that, right? They, they interpret... Interludes, what they say. Are you kidding me? Bro, bro no joke. Interlude? Yeah. I mean... Uh, NIV doesn't even think it Intermission? Matters. Intermission. Eh. Right? Intermission is when you like go to the bathroom and get orange juice or something. Like, <laughs> it's, not, it's not mindful reflection. Right. It's just a time for you to step away. Right. Oh, interlude is like, oh, I can shut down now? Okay, cool. Yeah. But no, see, just I, translate it Selah and then just say in the notes. Right. Think about that. Right. Which is different because here's the deal, right? Like, making it specific like that. Saying, think about that. When I see an interlude... Probably going to skip it. I'm probably going to check out mentally. I'm just being mm, real. Mm. And maybe that's the culture we've been raised in and we've grown up yeah. in. Maybe that's me in particular. Um, but, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to stop and think about that. Well, it's italicized and to the side, usually in our Bible. So why, you know. Oh, absolutely. You just, you just glance over it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so looking at the psalm. Um, so we learn different things about how a psalm can be broken down, like like poetry, like um, verses and choruses and bridges and stuff like that. Well, right. that's songwriting, but you and I are songwriters, so we understand Absolutely, that. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but, you know, in, in this, um, we're, we're looking at a couple things. 
And um, I really recommend reading this on your own um, and just kind of going through this. But um, we're, we're going to just talk about um, the different sections. So verse 1 and 2, and that's when it says, Happy are those whose, transgress- whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Happy are those in whom the Lord imputes no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. So like verse 1 and 2 by itself, if you had no other part of the psalm mm-hmm. at all, you were just like, oh, cool, like, happy, blessed are those who are forgiven. Like, right. that's great, you know. But it's saying that as kind of like a, I acknowledge that that's a thing. I'm not <coughs> quite there yet. Right. I mean, you know? and that's where I think we begin to see the idea of the wisdom. Yeah. Right? It, it's, yep. it's speaking to, you know, those uh, will be happy uh, if their transgression is forgiven. Yeah. Right? It's like, um, and, it, you know, speaking in terms of wisdom and thinking back to what, uh, Professor Kelly had mentioned this idea of wisdom being something that's really experienced mm. and lived. Mm. It's almost like you can read these as like, you know, because if my sin isn't covered, I'm not happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I know that, right? Like almost yeah. speaking from experience. So it's right. like, you know, happier those is because when it wasn't right. tough. Yeah. yeah. So. No, I agree. So verse 1 and 2 is kind of like just like a statement of truth, right? Like it's just acknowledging what's true. Right. You're not there yet because of the context of the psalm, but you're acknowledging that it's true. Yeah. And then like verses verses 3 and 4, he's talking about um, his body wasting ways, groaning all day long. Um, he says his hand was heavy upon me. Some interpret that as like uh, divine punishment and some interpret that as loving hand upon me. NLT coming through, um, yeah. kind of. Um, it says, like, my, my strength is gone. So, like, I read this and I immediately thought of intense periods of depression where my body literally wasted away. I dropped, you know, 20, 30 pounds in the course of a couple weeks. Right. Like, body is literally wasting away, groaning all day long. Um, and strength, you don't have much strength. You don't have much physical strength <coughs> when you're going through something. Right. You know, so I saw that and I thought that was really cool. But what this is classified is in as far as like individual like psalm sections, it's called a lament. Um, lament is different from complaining. Where you're just like, oh, come on, I can't believe that happened. Like, what the heck, you know. Yeah. And lament is kind of like that solemn reflection Mm. Where you're acknowledging, like, the crap. Yeah. You know? Um, but the psalm gives allowance for having you stay there as long as you need to be. Mm. Um, That's good. Not purposeful. Nece- what you right, purposeful. purposeful. Yeah. Not necessarily, like, how much you ha- how long you want to stay there, but how long you need to stay there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the next, you know, verse 5 is talking about acknowledging his sin, um, or her sin, you know, those, it says of David, but we never know right. who actually wrote it, right? Right, right. So, and superscriptions were added, like, Middle Ages, right? Right, they, yeah. Yeah, so so, so it could say Psalm of David, but, you know, the original mm. manuscript, wherever that is, um, might not have that. Or, it it might, could, or, or could just be dedicated to David or something like right, that. Right, it's the, yeah. he talked about in Hebrew, uh, which is, you know, it's tough to see here because it's just been interpreted. But, like, it could be of David, from David, for... Like, there, yeah. there's a lot of different... By David. Right. And that's that's what we're just not sure about. Yeah. Um, so... But anyway, bunny trail. Right. Um, 
like that. <laughs> I like that. Bunny. Easter. Bunny. But Easter, it's coming. Um, Brace yourselves. Um, Easter is coming. Every pastor right now. Literally every pastor. Seriously. Oh, my god! Such a big ordeal. For a good reason. Because Jesus raising from the dead. It's kind of a big huge. deal. Yeah. So anyway, um, so that's like a, he's asking for deliverance. He's acknowledging it. So first he was just, while I kept silent, he wasn't acknowledging he was um, he, he was keeping silent. This stuff was happening to it. He acknowledged it. Um, he did not hide the iniquity. Um, and it's kind of like that first step. Mm. You know. Uh, speak on it. So one thing speak. that I, right. One thing that I'm sitting here thinking of um, is this idea. If you think look at three and four, right? This idea of silence. And when you're kind of hiding something, you begin to feel the weight of that. Mm. And you kind of spoke yeah. to it from a different perspective, yeah. which I appreciate. I admittedly can speak to it from this from a place of hiding right. that comes to my mind. Right. And then in verse 5, you know, when you acknowledge it, mm. when you give name and give words to what you've been holding and hiding inside, yeah. sometimes the mere acknowledgement is a world of difference and that weight's lifted. Yeah. And that's what we see, you know. Um, it says, I didn't hide my iniquity, and I said, I'll confess it, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's what it takes. Yeah. You've got to say it out loud. Yeah. And that you got to give it a name. Yeah. And that's like anything in general, right? Like if you're having a bad day, you know, you're in a bad mood. Mm. It's helpful to sort your feelings to realize why you're having that bad day, why you're having that bad mood. Right. What was in your path? that brought that upon you. Maybe it's a trigger. Maybe it's um, something that happened outside of yourself. Maybe it's something that you've been, you know, hiding inside of you. Right. But acknowledging that is the first step to moving forward. Just like in any 12-step program, like acknowledging Mm -hmm. what's happening um, is the first step. That's right. You know. Um, So... Um. And so, like, moving on to the verse... Yeah, take take it. Verse 6, right? Yeah. Um, therefore, let all who are faithful offer you're, prayer to you. Right, just you're balancing eleven by seventeen paper, and yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah, it's Go ahead. Phenomenal. Uh, at a time of distress, the rush of mighty waters shall not reach them. And then this is this is actually kind of a device that we talked about that I thought was really cool. Hmm. Uh, it's a, I think it's a form of parallelism, as I understand it. But verse seven, you're a hiding place for me. What's more is you preserve me from trouble. What's more is you surround me with glad cries of deliverance. There it is. Right? And so oh, it's just, man. That connects so well to the text later. But go ahead. Right. You see what I'm saying? So it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. worth talking about is this idea of repetition. But not just repetition. It's like it kind of adds on to it. Mm. We, could even, we could even just call it you know, synonymous parallelism. But I think it's, it's synthetic is the word. Synthetic parallelism. Where it's this idea of this... But what's more this? And in this case, I think it's, but what's more this? Yeah. Um, and it just kind of adds to the depth and the layer, right? You're a hiding place for me, and you preserve me for tr- from trouble. And yeah. what's more, you surround me with glad cries of deliverance. So yeah. I'm not just hiding alone. And I'm not mm. just hiding alone and preserved from trouble in that hiding place. Mm. But in that hiding place where fear is like clutching at my heart. Yep. You are surrounding me with glad cries of deliverance, right? 
Preach! Let's go. That's, that'll preach. That's a word right there. <laughs> oh, uh, by the way, after that, it says, uh, think about that. <laughs> it says, think about that. That's right. That's Actually, right. it says, Silla. That's Sorry. right. Um, Sorry, you literalist. Yeah, so... <laughs> Stop! So, so <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <clears throat> Jerk. Um, so, verse... <laughs> <laughs> that was verse seven. Um, verse six to not you know to not look over this. Right. It says the rush of mighty waters shall not reach them. And we were talking about waters before when we were kind of prepping for this podcast. But like, um, waters were treacherous, dangerous, um, and not only that, but there was a spiritual implication for waters and storm. Right. Right. And we talked about um, it, it, this. Got brought up. This idea that the waters in Scripture, speaking cosmologically, right? So thinking about the way yeah. that Hebrews... And other ancient Near Eastern... Right. Would, and, and other, yeah, ancient Near Easterns would have understood. You know, you've got the waters above this kind of like sky rim kind of holding everything up. Yep, and heavens. And then underneath, and then you have the sea, the Mediterranean Sea, which yeah. is frightening and where all monsters would have come from. And so... right. Um, this idea that the faithful offer prayer to you, and at a time of distress, the rush of those waters, so the terrifying waters of the sea, that, or even the waters overhead, mm-hmm. will not reach mm. you. That's how protected you are. Mm. And then, verse 7, we talked about saying, you know, hiding you're a place, hiding place. Preserve, you preserve me from all of that, that fear, and this is how you do it. This, but more this, but even more that. Think about that. Think about that. <laughs> so then, like, in verse 8 through 11, it just, like, it, like, the voice, tr- like, totally changes. So it was first, like, it seemed like <coughs> the psalmist, the individual character. And then verse 8 through 11, it's like this, I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I'll counsel you with my eye upon you. Um, and you know, there's commentaries and they're divided. Is this God or is this the psalmist basically saying like, all right, now that I've got my stuff squared away, I'll instruct you what I knew. Um, don't be like me. Don't be like a horse or a mule without understanding whose temper, like w- without a bit or bridle. Else will not stay near you. Um, I Bit or bridle? Bit or bridle? That's like a horse thing. Yeah, yeah. it's a horse thing. That's Do you know about thing. it? Uh, I don't know what a bridle does. <laughs> Uh, we, you know, no, you know what I think a bridle is—a bit and bridle. I'm gonna. I don't curious. know what a bridle does, but I know I mean, what love is. I know what love is. Um, I should don't. just talk about this with like a cowboy or southern accent, but um, please don't. I, I won't. Um, it's tempting. The bit and bridle—I think the bit is what they bite, and the bridle is like how you direct a horse. You know, what I'm saying like I, I yeah. think that's what it is. I don't know. I think so. We're probably gonna get like harassed. By equestrians. Yeah. So, which, yeah. like, bring it on. Bring it on. <laughs> bring it on. Bring it on. You won't. <laughs> you won't. Um, but, yeah, so it, it says that. And then 10 through 11, like, many other torments of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds those who trust in the Lord. So, like, it's basically saying, like, everybody's suffering. Everybody will suffer. But you have the love of God. You have the power of the God on your side. And that's where it says, like, verse 7, you surround me with glad cries of deliverance. Right. And, like, you know, verse 10, thinking about this, you know, parallelism or whatever. Think about that. Think about that. <laughs> it is, like, in verse 10, it's like that, uh, that antithetical parallelism, right? Mm. 
where you see, you know, many are the torments of the wicked, but the steadfast love surrounds those who trust the Lord, right? So it's the opposite mm. and kind of painting that picture. Uh, there's yeah. wisdom in it, but it's also, I think, kind of a, it's that po- poetic element um, where, speaking as a math teacher, most, there we go. Right? most things that are proved in, um, in terms of theorems mathematically, mm-hmm. um, I say most things, but on occasion and quite frequently, you will prove things by contradiction. So you won't prove that this is true. You will prove that this isn't. Mm. Therefore, this. Mm. If, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's so basically you are by contradiction saying, well, because I've shown this, the opposite is the case. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and that's where I think this has its its meaning. And a lot of times, poetry really gains a lot of traction. Is saying it in the positive sometimes doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. But saying it in the negative, right, does. Right, and when you couple those together, it gives meaning to the positive, mm. so it bounces back to it. Right, mm. so many are the torments of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds those who trust in the Lord. Mm. Right, so it kind of yeah. like kind of speaks to that in reverse. No, yeah, yeah, and, and I like that. And little sidebar because I think this is really interesting, and I want Jeremiah to. Uh, probably make a patreon so that he can actually do this podcast about mm-hmm. math and theology um but um talk about what you said to me about division because i feel like that relates how division is so hard because it's about dividing like yeah about, right yeah um yeah one thing that i've noticed is really tough for students to understand is this idea of like fractions and division it just does not it is not a natural thing which is strange because so much division exists in our world. And one of the reasons that we never fix the division is because it's hard to address division. Mm. So it's easy to write and create, but it's difficult to do because sometimes we don't even see that it's there. We don't even see the issues that we're having and that are causing division. It's kind of unknown. Right. right. So it, Division in life is hard. It is know? hard, and so it doesn't get addressed. Yeah. The same reason kids don't understand fractions. It's not because... It's really just because it's difficult. And it's not something that you do easily. And so Mm. they just avoid it. Division is difficult to deal with. It's not something that's going to get solved easily. And so we just avoid it. Mm. Um, We have answers. We have solutions that we could try. Um, But having knowledge... Here it is. Having wisdom memorized isn't the solution here. Mm. It's you have to go live it. Yeah. So you might have it memorized. Right. You might have information memorized. But you really have to go live it. And you have to go play it out and see it out. And that's hard. Yeah. Kids don't do it. And uh, in the same way, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if we feel the same way in terms of like the call on our lives that we see all throughout the scriptures. Mm. Uh, we get it. I even kind of understand, okay, I'm supposed to do this. Yeah. But doing this in practice is hard. Yeah. So. Because you're divided between what you're called to do, what you want to do. Right. You know, and not what, and your even your want to do is divided in between what you want to do in accordance to what you should do and what you want to do that is opposed to what you should do. Right. So anyway, yeah, I think it'd be really yeah. cool to explore just the idea. A lot of ideas that show up in like, 
base level mathematics, right? Mathematics yeah. that we've all seen, I think, um, has some interesting connections that are worth thinking about. That's why. Yeah. No, I yeah, appreciate man. that. Um, so, yeah. Verse 11, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. So that verse by itself kind of seems like those slap on a bumper sticker encouraging (laughs) verses. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like that verse to me is meaningless in the context of life. You know what I mean? But that verse in context of this psalm, in context of life, in context of the scripture, in context of the gospel, right? That's right. It's everything. Because God saved you. God is with you. God is dwelling in your suffering. And because God is dwelling in your suffering, he is with you always. You can shout for joy. And because God took your suffering upon himself, even, even, even back then, when it says you are a hiding place to me, you preserve, you surround me, because of that, your heart is made upright. You are brought gladness. Right. And you are seen as faithful, not because you're perfect, but because you're seeking. That's right. Because, and, and because you're seeking, and because God is responding. God is saving. So, but that's getting to Jesus a little bit too early. But, um. yeah. <laughs> well, no, if we think too much in terms of beginning and ends, mm. we will not understand how we got from beginning to end. Mm. I think about when I see, you know, a picture of somebody who's convicted, or excuse me, who's accused of a crime. Yeah. Um, on TV. I think to myself, man, how did they get there? Right? When they were born, there's no way. They were thinking about doing those things. Yeah. And we want to say, oh, gosh, like, that's terrible. I'd never do that. And, like, the tough thing, the tough realization that I think we see when we look at this psalm in its entirety is there's a story there, and we need to look into the story. Before we too quickly dismiss a saying that's like, oh, well, okay, do I even believe that? And say, yep. Okay, let's look at the story. Yeah. And let's see where in the story, in the case of somebody who's been accused, mm-hmm. where it seemed like it went wrong. Yeah. But in the case of here, hey, how can you believe that? Mm. Why, don't we, why don't we look further into the story? Yeah. Why don't we look back and remember Israel? Yeah. How can we believe that? Because we've got hundreds of years of God chasing us. Mm. That's how we can believe it. Mm. And God did deliver us. Right? He did, Israel. He delivered us. However, the beauty of this psalm in particular and the wisdom that it brings is not a, it's not a psalm of deliverance per se. Hmm. It's a psalm of presence and suffering alongside. Mm. That's what I see in verse 7. Mm. It does speak to this idea of you surround me with glad cries of deliverance. What it doesn't say is you deliver me. Not in this song. I just know there's a promise that you will. Mm. And how do I know that's true? Because remember, Israel. Remember, Israel, what I've done. And moving forward, and looking forward, right? Jesus! <laughs> Which, if we, if we just stop for a minute, how disheartening it is 
for people to, to think that this was the deliverer. Hmm. <clears throat> that Jesus was the one who was going to deliver them in glory and in kingdom. And he dies. Hmm. Just mm. like every other king before him. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Peter. No, you can't do that. No, Jesus, you can't do that. He's like, Peter, get out of the way. You don't know what you're talking about. Like, but how disheartening. Because, yeah, we remember that you delivered us. And we know that you're with us if we think about the songs that we sing together. Yeah. But you've left us. So mm. when we think about what Easter means specifically to those people, mm. it's this idea that unlike any other king, he will not die. And his kingdom is here even still. Mm. Even mm. still, his kingdom mm. is here. Mm. Connecting the psalm, the right. book of God's kingdom, connecting Jesus and the kingdom. That's and beautiful. what does Jesus do? He comes and he lives alongside us. Yeah. So that when he says, hey, follow me, be wise and do wisdom along my side, right? Yeah. Learn how to be wise. I am the way. That is the path, the truth in our life. And that's mm. what wisdom would have been referenced as. Mm. That's where Jesus is calling us alongside of him to live with him, to learn to be wise with him because he is the king who in the first book of Psalms, right, is being instated. Hey. Amen. Oh, man. So uh, the next section was going to be about applying the Psalms, but I'm pretty sure kind of covered that in going through the Psalm. You know, about talking about Christotelic, check. Missional, check. Right. Um, Original singer's imagery, check. Yeah. Um, and like th- that's the beauty of it, like studying these texts, and not like not like verse by verse meticulously, but like the sections that they were you know meant to be in. Which a good poem you can kind of see like change in prose, like change change mm-hmm. in mood, um, and kind of dividing it based on that. And that's what we try to do here, using verses as obvious references. But um, it's it's a beautiful thing to do to just sit down and study. You know, something like that. Um, oh, should we go into the next reading? Should we sit on this for a little bit? I think we just sit on it for a little bit. Mm. I think there's definitely a connection. I mean, we talked about mm. the, the idea of the prodigal son. Shh. The, but, um. <laughs> no, but I, but I, think, we, I think we just sit on this. Mm. There's a lot to say. We've said a lot, and there's a lot mm. to say. Mm. Um, all we can, you know, what we will say is that the lectionary adds even more depth to this psalm. Mm. And this psalm in particular does the reverse as well. It adds depth yeah. to, the, to the lectionary. Yes, yes, so, yes. So I assume yep. you're going to include that in your notes, right? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the, the scripture. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I would encourage everyone to kind of based on what we're kind of putting out here. Yeah. Um, remember the psalm. Yeah. Remember O Israel. Yeah. And and go and take a look at those passages. Mm. Think about, you know, 
the Old Testament, which would have happened before the psalm was written, most likely. Yeah. The New Testament, which would have happened after. And, and just, you know, spend some time in that. The okay. second the second passage that we were going to reference was going to be um, the prodigal son. And um, kind of going through that. But, you know, like good art, you look at it. You look at what speaks out to you. You look to see where the connecting points are. If there's like a um, an exhibit at an art mm. museum, and there's multiple paintings and they're in a collection, yeah, where are the commonalities? Sometimes the commonalities are obvious seasons. Sometimes it's colors. Sometimes it's moods. Yeah, you know, really like abstract paintings where moods are depicted. A good abstract painting, like you'll you'll pick out what's most important to you. So, like when you look at Psalm thirty-two, when you look at um, the prodigal son in Luke fifteen, um, eleven to thirty-two, look at these commonalities and look to find what what sticks out to you. Um, and these were put together by people um, who who put together the lectionary, and um, they we're not saying that they are connected as and were meant to be connected but it's a meaningful connection that's worth studying jumping off of that yeah when we think about art and and the meaning it has to us i mean the reality is i'll say it this way i thought i understood who jesus was until i had to see who jesus was through the forgiveness of my wife and I realized I didn't really know who Jesus was. Mm. And that is where, right, I might read a text this way one day. And another day, it's, it's the craziest thing, but it just, it's different. It meets me in a different place. It yeah. meets me in a different experience. Yeah. And I think, um, I think that's what we want everyone to do who's listening mm. is, is just know you can go read that text. And, and maybe you see the connection in Psalm 32. Maybe you don't today. Yeah, and, one day and, and honestly, it takes a while to see those connections right. because we're, we're not used to doing that. We're not used to looking at it, actually looking at the references in our Bibles, even when the references right. were meant to be there. We're not used to flipping the pages back to where it's referring to or where people think it's referring to and reading that and connecting the dots. So doing something like this is might be a challenge for a while. And the lectionary, admittedly, um, you won't see the connection as easily on some weeks. Um, other weeks you'll see the connection crystal clear Um, and I think that's a beautiful thing and I think it's worth looking at and you said something about using the lectionary for personal study in that regard yeah Um, I think if if you're somebody who's never read scripture um, uh, something I've heard people say start at John yeah start Um, at John start at Luke start at Luke and and that's fine I'm not I used to say like Corinthians for some reason Mm. Like, let's just skip Jesus, go to Corinthians, because for me, Corinthians was easy to read. So I was looking at it as a... Absolutely. <laughs> and say, oh, that. it's easier to read. Right, and it's like speaking on Jesus, right? Yeah. So you're like, you're like reading the summary. Some people uh, will say Romans. Some people say Romans. I would yeah. say um, no to that. Um, Correct. But yeah, I would say... Please <laughs> don't start at Genesis. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, if you don't have the context... Like, it, it's not like a book where you're meant to start at the beginning and go to the end. Like, Genesis is so, I mean, it, it's beautiful, it's wonderful. You can start at Genesis, but um, 
you should find out a little bit more about right. the whole picture. Yeah, I mean, I would say that you just kind of have to like if you're if you're basically you're somebody. This maybe is more for somebody who is well read in the scripture, but in general has just kind of read it through. Yeah. Um, my suggestion would be to follow the lectionary and to mm. see the connections in that way. Mm. Because when you sit and you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament, for instance, it's not a bad thing. It's a great thing. I think you're going to see a lot. But if you're reading the lectionary, you'll read Matthew and you'll read maybe the reference where Matthew is coming from in the Old Testament, right? So yeah. Jesus is referencing maybe Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. And that's what you're seeing, right? You're just seeing the connectivity. You're seeing that, you know, this is not a separate book in that way. This is not a right. separate, it, these, this really, it really is a connection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's a connection in that time that would have been one where most people would have had it memorized. Mm. So to think mm-hmm. about that too, mm-hmm. like that's how much this stuff was talked about. So Let's not disregard it. Yeah, at least like all, all the stories and everything like that. Yeah, the yeah. stories were told and told yeah. and told. Yeah. So anyway, when you start at Matthew or you start mm. at John, mm. you don't get the first part of the story that yeah. all of them would have known. Yep. So I think the lectionary is just a good tool. It's just, it's, a, it's well organized in that sense, you know. Right. It does, it kind of begins to uncover that for you. It's a good starting place. Yeah. And I'd even like... Maybe like, I mean, you could start at the current week, but maybe mm-hmm. start at the beginning of a year. Like yeah. lectionary is divided into year A, B, and C. Um, years A, B, and C is just predominantly just like focusing on a different gospel account, um, from my understanding. Um, but, you know, kind of pick one of those and kind of go at it and see like, you know, what comes out. Um, also, in, in that regard, the one-year Bible reading plans... Which I could never do. Um, but they have you reading like one from old, one from Psalms, one from right. you know uh, Gospels, one from Epistles, kind of, kind of thing, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they have you reading that, and it's kind of like that same idea, like you know, getting a little taste of all. And bottom line, like do whatever works for you. But um, this course in talking about the Psalms and talking about how it relates so well to life it's honest it's it's authentic it's raw and life is raw and it's nice to have something in there that meets that right right they can really meet us in the place where we are mm-hmm. and um, in the highs and the lows I, yeah you know because the lows you know it's easy to realize your need for that but also in the highs like keep you grounded right I, you know, I appreciate kind of this idea um, that Psalms speaks to uh, what I believe culturally has become a more cerebral, kind of mentally focused. You can hear the psalmist speaking to things that maybe they can only describe in this way. Mm. Whereas <coughs> we might not literally be in... What was it in verse 7? Um, a hiding place, like a physical hiding place. But we live in a time where a lot of us are hiding in our heads, right? Yeah. Or we're hiding in the, in the way, in the place that we're walking around. Mm-hmm. And it speaks to that. You can hear the psalmist almost speaking to these same things we might be struggling with, but in slightly different ways. Yeah. 
this course does a lot. This course did a lot to really open that realm of the Psalms up. Mm. But I think the beauty of that is it is so practical for us moving forward in our communities to spend time. You know, Professor Kelly said it. Like wisdom literature is something that we should live in, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. wisdom literature that is Proverbs, some of the Psalms, Job, Ecclesiastes, right? You should live in that stuff because it really is where we see what is probably the closest to our life yeah. in terms of relational interactions. Yes. Right? Yes. And we see the general story of these relationships. Just don't be like Job's friends. Just don't be like Job's friends. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like where, you know, once again, like when, when you know that these things most likely existed mm-hmm. and Jesus shows up and is calling the people of Israel back into this relational thing, right? This, re- this relationship that they lost. Yeah. Calling them back to the heart and to, to all that was intended in the beginning. Hmm. That's why you see the Pharisees just like, no, but it wasn't that. Like, we know this law in and out. Like, we know the words. And Jesus is like, but do you have the wisdom? Hmm. You know all of these codes, but have you heard about how they play out in life? Yeah. Because it's like you're ignoring all that. Yeah. Have you lived out the wisdom? Have you lived it out? Yeah. And that's what he calls them out. No, you're not doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and before we finish, another, this is a quote related to the Proverbs, but it yeah. kind of worked for the Psalms too. But um, something that I appreciated about the class was a quote. Um, the professor said this. He said, um, every proverb was distilled from a lot of really bad decisions. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, or not, maybe not every, but most proverbs were distilled from a lot of really bad decisions. And kind of makes you think, like, when there's wisdom, you want it coming some from somebody who's experienced a lot. You know, we always mm-hmm. talk about, like, you know, the, like when, when you're old, you're wiser because you've yeah. experienced more life. Or when you've gone through a lot, you're wiser because you've experienced more life in that regard. And I think that was a really meaningful quote. Um, to me for this class and for wisdom in general and for um, how the Bible was wonderfully composed. Yeah. It's that idea of there's mess-ups everywhere and the wisdom that's deri- that, that we see in the Bible is looking at, l- looking at mistakes made, learning from those mistakes, and pointing out how to avoid those mistakes. I think that's really valuable. Yeah, I think in, uh, I thought when we were sitting there in class he said that because my mind always goes to like math since it's like what I do um, I hate it I wish I could turn it off oh my god some days but it's this idea of like <clears throat> it came from a really big sample space mm. right and the sample space led us to to stop at this nugget of wisdom yeah to say yeah this is based on what we've seen, the best we can offer here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's why, yeah, somebody who's older is just going to have more wisdom. Because they have a better sample space. they got more experiences. Yeah. But I do think you can have people who are older and seem less wise. 
Yeah. And I think that comes from not truly acknowledging, like what we heard in Psalm 32. Mm. Acknowledging mm-hmm. the mistakes. Acknowledging the mistakes, yeah. Because that's where you gain yeah. the wisdom, is by trusting in the Lord. What does it say there at the end? Steadfast love surrounds those who trust in the Lord. Yeah. And when you don't do that, I think we miss out on the wisdom we can get from that. Mm. We miss out on the real comfort that we can find. And it's not just trusting in some far-off ruler, but trusting trusting in a ruler who wades in your life. Yeah. Through the highs and lows, he's with you. You know, mm-hmm. Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. And that's a beautiful picture. And, that's, and that is the context of his loving kindness, his, his steadfast love being with you. Always. Yeah. So, think about that. Think about that.